Hello everybody, um, and welcome to I Love That Lyric. I am Dylan uh, from Bedbug, your host, um, and today we talked to Sammy from Puppy Problems about pavement, David Berman, Silver Jews, uh, writing songs about difficult times without falling into cliches, the challenges of writing songs that sound personal uh, when strangers may assume they know a little bit more about you than they do. Um, Sammy's one of my closest friends, and this episode was a real treat to record. Um, so I hope you enjoy. Thanks. All right. Um, welcome to episode three of I Love That Lyric. Uh, I am your host, Dylan. Uh, of the band Bedbug, and I'm here with my good friend, Sammy, Martasian of, <laughs> of Puppy <laughs> Problems, and <laughs> um, I wasn't, I actually wasn't sure what you, what answer you were looking for there. Um, yes, of Puppy Problems and Rosewater Fountain, our band together, our band that we together. forget that we have, that we forget that we have, yeah. Um, so glad to be joined by Sammy. Um, and yeah, I think we're going to dive right in. So starting out, uh, I've, I've known you, I knew you through your music before I knew you as a person. Um, and you played in Boston for years and years and years. Um, and so I'm wondering what are some of your lyrical influences? Definitely the Silver Jews. Um, I feel like a big thing for me was finding out about bands like Pavement or Silkworm, which we were just talking about, who like maybe are coming from a place of a lot of emotional honesty, but there's like a um there's a barrier between the heart of the song and the fact that it feels kind of fun and has like a fun melody to it or at least there's like heart to it that is like put through like a filter of absurdity a little bit comedy pavement has the uh pavement has the cool guy filter yeah there's a cool guy filter but it's very poetic and silly like yeah. It's like beautiful music that has like a lot of emotion to it, but it's not as forthcoming. I think like I think about Pavement a lot because prior to Pavement, all of my favorite bands were like Bright Eyes, where it was very like, this is a very sad feeling I'm having, or let me pose to you a hypothetical situation that would be very upsetting, you know, like these very mm-hmm. like big picture um kind of like diary entry songs uh but then I feel like pavement kind of changed things for me when I thought about making music and about art where I kind of started to see it modeled to me that like you could have experiences or have difficult feelings that you put through a process of like letting them be absurd or rhythmic or um like playful yeah it's funny that you mention 
obviously I knew that you were going to mention all these bands. We've talked about this a million times. <laughs> yes. But it is funny that you mentioned them because uh, Dave uh, of Cave People fame and also of episode one fame uh, mentioned the exact same thing in almost the same way as well. Really? Uh, so yeah, kind of retread ground in a very fun way. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a thematic continuation of that um especially the like absurdity part of it um something that dave mentioned was that Stephen malcolmus uh and i i pointed out that this is something that um jeff tweedy of wilco also says is that they're like oh this is not about anything i'm just saying gibberish i don't mean anything and dave <laughs> yeah. was like i don't i don't buy that shit no for a second <laughs> you can't tell me that that's true i don't believe it but i'm also like those are two humble guys who don't seem to want to talk about their feelings in any way of your band wrapped up in a riddle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Wrapped up in a riddle really is the way to put it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, When you think, when you think about like pavement lyrics and silver Jews and and David Berman, what, what like songs lyrically like stick out to you? Oh man. I mean, when I think about the silver Jews, I feel like it's hard to even, put my finger on one or two, but I think what David Berman has done really well is also sort of apply humor and absurdity, but then follow up like humor and absurdity with something that just is so like clear and beautiful and um, like concisely emotional. Um, I guess my you know one of my favorite songs like ever is um like people by the silver jews and i it has that part that's like oh man how does it start it's like people send people up to the moon people ask people to watch their scotch and when they return um there isn't much and, like, I think that's so smart. <laughs> like, that's so <laughs> funny to me. <laughs> but um, also really beautiful. And in that same um, in that same song, there's a lyric that's like, oh, wait, how does it go? Oh, it's like, you can't change the feeling, but you can change the feeling about the feeling. Um, yeah. I think as, as far as, like, song lyrics go, that was, like, kind of, like, life-changing for me to hear. And I also feel like that sort of, like... Um, speaks to what we were just talking about with all of those bands being um, honest that they're having these feelings in some way, but like changing the way they feel about them and like letting them be funny and letting them be like accepted. And I don't know. I think that that really just like speaks to me, but I think, gosh, you know, there's that song like um, about, there's this one amazing Silver Juice song, I'm kind of rambling here, that I don't think is released on anything. It's called Self-Ignition, and it's mm-hmm. on YouTube, and it's very... Like, oh, I love, I love that album. My YouTube. favorite Silver Juice record, YouTube. <laughs> it's, my favorite, it's my favorite way to listen to music, unfortunately. Um, but the whole song is very, like, in David Berman fashion, kind of these, like, vignettes of people, like the mailman who dreams he's Paul Revere and like uh, the pumpkin on the porch is trying to heal himself. Like all these things are just like very kind of quippy and paint this picture of all these things happening. But then the last line of the song is just like, 
Um, and I have to remember that you not wanting me doesn't make me any less here. And it just like, oh man, it gets me in the gut after this song that's so, it's like a, a little whimsical and a little bit like yeah. has a storytelling element to it. And then it just like someone out and saying something so profoundly honest and like, God, that's something I've like thought a million times and like maybe never even had the um, wisdom to put into so few words. It almost it almost sounds like uh, and I think that I think this about a lot of David Berman's writing, um, but it almost sounds like kind of if you're just like imagining someone sitting outside and like sitting on a porch and just kind of daydreaming yeah. about things. And then like a lot of those daydreams are things that like the reason why I think that feeling can like hit pretty hard is because it's like sometimes stuff that you're stressed about or you're thinking about a lot can like kind of cut through a daydream in a way. And that's kind of how it feels is that like, you know, someone's thinking about all these things. And then like, that's, it's also why I feel like it feels kind of quippy because it's just like very observant. Um, but he definitely does that. I've noticed um, where like, rather than one song will kind of have a, like a vibe but there will be a lot of little stories within the song because each line is its own kind of like thought process in a lot of ways. Yeah, that that's a really good way of explaining like the universe that he created. Um, it feels like more real than real. You know, it's like you have a, like a hundred TVs and you're watching all of them and there's something happening on every single one that you're trying to keep track of because that's what it feels like to be in the world and to be, I don't know, like deeply feeling and be interested in people and things happening around you. But then mm -hmm. you can just like sum everything up sometimes in so few words and it's like shocking. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I guess like when I think about pavement, it's like a little bit less of those really concise lyrics, but the, relationship between the lyrics and the like tone of the song or the way that something is sung really like mm -hmm. makes it feel super important um yeah like I, I think grounded the, uh... okay well so you're saying grounded i'm thinking of a uh, god was it is it is in the mouth of the desert or here it's one of the slower ones on slanted and enchanted where uh he goes like drop off and he like, like staggers <laughs> yeah. the way he says it it's like awesome yeah and you're like oh my gosh like it makes me feel so much but then I'm like I don't really know how to like explain what I'm feeling because his his lyrics aren't like giving you a big um a lot of like emotional like um vulnerability to work with or maybe it's it's just a different kind of vulnerability uh, I'm trying to think of a good yeah. example too you're you're totally right yeah um, I mean, in the mouth you, of the you mentioned grounded. Like yeah, grounded. That song feels so tense, and like the wind up is so like oh my gosh, it just like gets you going. Like I feel like if I'm listening to it and I'm walking, I feel like I'm in like a movie, very like main character brain <laughs> worm, you know. But you know, when you think about the lyrics, it's like not it's not as clear as say David Berman or somebody else who like mm -hmm. might just like lay it out. Like I'm feeling intense about this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, 
but it, it like winds you up and then every lyric of the song like boys are dying on these streets you're like oh my god yeah like that's like what's going on right now like it's very it's very intense so for someone who you know obviously is listening to a lot of this this that style of lyricism where like pavement is is almost it's almost meandering it just goes it's just you know almost just sounds like the the thoughts of him and this this thought process that just goes in that direction and yet i feel like a lot of your lyrics typically are a lot more confessional than that so where did that come from yeah you know i guess like maybe they are more confessional but i think that those bands really helped me um, cut and paste experiences into something that mm-hmm. could be not just like I I guess confessional is how it comes across but I think for me in the background when I'm writing a song it doesn't feel like it's like usually usually it doesn't feel like oh this is one song about this one thing that happened a lot of times it's yeah, it's more like seeing the big picture and being like this line is about this and then this line is about this um and yeah. i think that even though it might come across and yeah it is like confessional i think that those bands have kind of helped me get out of the mindset that things have to be exactly straightforward like mountain goat style not that there's anything wrong with that i love the mountain goats you know grew up on that music too (laughs) but you know it's a very different thing where it feels like you're like really like talking at somebody i think another artist who does it really well is like that a savage solo record where each song is like so beautiful and feels like it has like a lot of heart and the album itself has such a beautiful, like, overarching concept and drive. But um, it feels like there's more than one thing going on in each and every song. It feels very, like, um, mm-hmm. like you're zooming out and you're watching, like, this whole, like, train set village happening at once, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah, and I, I think that, like, you know, for conventional, I, I don't think that uh, it necessarily means that it needs to be, like, this is my story with this one-to-one feeling saying X, Y, Z. But I do think that like, in a way, like if I was listening to something that you wrote, I could at least say like, okay, this could apply here. This could apply here. Whereas in like listening to a pavement song, sometimes it's hard to figure out where anything applies. <laughs> yeah, to that's anything. definitely <laughs> really true. For sure. <laughs> really true. I think I got to a place like when I was a younger person and I was writing music, I think I got to a place where I was almost like, making myself too upset writing like I was like oh I gotta write about these like really fucked up things that happened or I've gotta like put this in a song and I've gotta really like put this out there and I was like not enjoying playing music because I was like being too Mm -hmm. vulnerable and I was like not enjoying connecting with people about music like people would come up to me after a show and be like wow like it sounds like you've also had this experience and I'd be like, I don't want to talk about it. Like I was like really uncomfortable (laughs) or like people would email me and I I felt bad about this, but people would email me and be like, Hey, like I'm having a, I'm in a bad situation. And from this music, it sounds like you are too. Like, 
can you help me? And I got like really overwhelmed with feeling like I was like putting too much out there. So I, I think it's funny to think about like um, the music I make now feels less um, raw to me. It feels like I've taken my time yeah. more, but confessional is still definitely like the heart of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so do you find that the stuff that you're, you've been working on more recently, is that still, uh, I guess, as you put it raw in the same way, or are you finding that your stories are coming from different places now or coming from multiple different sources? Yeah, I think that it feels a little more, I feel like I have like a little bit of a barrier between myself and the music, but there's still stuff that is like. Well, it's all true. You know, everything that's in my songs is, like, true in some way. But I also think I've let myself get better at taking a step back and weaving different things together to create something that's, like, true but not um, immediate. I'm actually... I'm thinking about this stuff a lot right now because I'm reading this book that's really interesting... I'm just like relating to everything called regarding the pain of others by Susan Sontag. And in it, she's talking about how people relate to like a photograph um, differently than how they relate to a painting, especially in the context Mm -hmm. of like images of suffering or things that are difficult. And I think that like, to me, there's a kind of music that might be like more immediate in the way that a photograph is where it's presenting itself as exactly Mm -hmm. these events exactly um a b and c happened in this order like uh there's nothing wrong with that it's just like a different thing but then in a painting yeah you can still make a painting of something that's true and it is something that really happened but as an artist you're showing it with a um you're making choices and how you want to show it and i think that letting myself make choices in thinking about music in the same way that I think about like painting to allow myself to like pull in and draw back a little bit more instead of thinking about it like a photograph. Yeah. So, so moving away from the photograph of like almost like diary entry kind of style, like this is what I'm writing exactly. And this is how I, you know, this is how it went straightforward to the painting where you can kind of color and stylize uh, the experiences behind that and it can have, I don't know. I find, I find doing that is I'm like happier with the stuff that I like when I do stuff like that. And other, you know, there are musicians who are so talented and really skillful at the, the photography side of music and there's, you know, just different approaches. And I think I, I actually can let myself be more honest and let myself Mm -hmm. be more comfortable sharing the things that are true when I let myself think about it like a painting and I let myself kind of um, not edit, but have a, take a minute to decide what I really want to show from this instead of saying like, verse one, I'm arriving at the party. Verse two, something horrible (laughs) happened at the party. Verse three, I'm walking home from the party, <laughs> you know, um, being able to like yeah. dice it up a little bit, splice it up. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Speaking of uh, of photograph writers in that way, I think the best example of that to me um, would be Owen Ashworth, Advanced Base, and Cassiotone. Like, those stories that he tells are so straightforward. And, I mean, they're obviously stylized, but, like, a lot of the stuff that he says, you can fill in the blanks as a a listener. And you can almost, like, project other experiences onto them. So absolutely not a negative to say like photograph writing in that style is different like people can do it really really cool yeah absolutely I definitely hear what you're saying yeah and it's about more like personal comfort and I think also because like some of my personal experiences have just been like violent or uh difficult in a way that I think I have to personally think about stuff a little bit differently to put out into the world whereas other people Mm -hmm. I mean you know, like, think about, like, like all of the musicians who made, like, the Riot Girl movement really big. Like, there's, like, this really important space politically and musically and artistically for that, like, confessional work. And I, I definitely would never want to sound like I'm knocking that. Because um, a lot of musicians that have inspired me also come from that place, you know? Yeah. So, um and I think that both of us kind of have our, our a lot of our roots in a little bit of the confessional sure. stuff. Like that side of it is just it's like it's hard to hard to yeah. erase. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so I'm wondering because I think that somewhat of this should be educational to some degree. So I've been asking people about their process, like how they write, because I think it can help to think it through mm-hmm. for people. And uh, I've gotten extremely different answers both times so i'm wondering when you're writing a song and you're going down to sit write lyrics like what does that look like um i think that the way i do it is really bad (laughs) i actually think no one should take this advice um but i think that the momentum of immediacy like really helps me and what i find is like i will get a line or two in my mind that I have a melody for or that, you know, it's banging around in my head as I'm walking to work, as I'm doing my day, I'm like humming it. I'm like, Ooh, okay. And it's like, usually like the, um, chorus of one of my songs or just like the opening line or something. And then when Mm -hmm. I have time to sit down with my guitar, I kind of find, where that melody is um chord wise and then i'm like okay so if this is where this melody is at here what's the next step and like what's the next thing i want to say and so honestly like almost all of my songs i like just sat down and like played the first line of and found that first line and then was like okay then like I've played that through seven to 10 times. What's the next one? And I just like keep going like that until I've written the whole song and I've mm-hmm. like played through it as I write it. Um, and so would you say that um, the melody is the driver of the song or would you say that the lyrics drive the melody like do you find that sometimes you'll have a line that like here's i'm just projecting a little bit because this mm-hmm. is kind of what i do is like i will also think of a melody um and i'll i'll mix and match a little bit with the guitar but 
um, a lot of times the lyrics that I have on that original melody that I thought of in my head don't really mean anything. They're just kind of like mm-hmm. placeholders. And so then the lyric changes a lot throughout the song. Do you find that the lyrics for you are a thing that like, is that the center or is it the melody that's the center? Yeah, that's a really good way of representing those two different paths. I think that for me, it's like the very first thing is maybe the lyric like this one line or two lines or something. But then the next step is the melody and I build the rest of the lyrics off of that melody. So I really never sit down and write from top to bottom a song. Like I never am writing down the whole lyrics and then trying to find it. It's more like, oh, okay, I can noodle around. This melody matches this, you know, two or three lines and then building Mm -hmm. from there. And so do you do you ever have any like lyrics in the back or do you find that that line really drives you and then when you're feeling musically minded the whole the whole song will just kind of come out of it? Um I feel like I I sometimes will have a lyric in mind or even like a melody and lyric for like a year that I just can't place. <laughs> my my mind is my mind is a really weird place to be. I will have something in my mind where I'm like okay, this will be a song at some point, but I just can't get the rest of it yet. And I will just like sing it to myself in my head for literally like a year. Um, And then I'll be like, oh, oops, I finally wrote the whole song. That's a surprise to me. (laughs) So for for my latest stuff that I've been working on, I've had like insane writer's block. At least I did for like over a year. And... uh, I had all of those notes, essentially what you're saying, right? Like one line Mm -hmm. or one melody, one guitar part. I had all these notes. I think I had like 130 notes on my voice memos phone app. And none of them were named. All of them were random. I don't know how many of them were anything. And so when I sat down to think like, I want to write stuff for the band, I went through every single one of all the 130 and categorized them into like, which one could be in which song and which one could do where. And I just, I literally just put them together like puzzle pieces and that became the new record, which was a way that I've never uh, done it before. And I just like cut, I trimmed so much fat. And honestly, from some of them, I ended up like building off of them with new material and stuff like that. So I definitely understand the like, some of those were in there for like oh four Oh my years. God. Like they're just stuff that was like kicking around. Like I had one riff that I really wanted to get and I never found a place for it for like two full records. I had this riff that I really wanted and it just never came through. Um, and now it's like the centerpiece to the record. So I feel like I, I get it. I yeah. Like no, I mean that, that process is like um, terrifying to me, <laughs> but it's cool. my process is also <laughs> I stupid. I don't know how people do it. Like I think somebody once told me, and I don't even know if this is true because this is like someone told me that someone told him that like I think it was like Will Oldham or like Bonnie, you know, aka Bonnie Prince Billy, um, aka Palace Music, aka Palace Brothers, yeah. whatever. He would like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, he would like. R- like have a piece of paper for all of his different songs that are on an album and then put the paper on a wall. So you've got like 10 pieces of paper, 10 blank pieces of paper for this like album and then work on them like simultaneously. Like you're like looking at the whole album and like adding lyrics here and there. Sammy, 
That's... I do that, but online. <laughs> yeah, that's what I do it. it. I do. I do it with. I do it on oh, Evernote. Evernote. Yeah, or like my phone notes app. But I have. I'll have every song one through this time it was one through ten and i had every song as its own blank note and then i would work through them all simultaneously because i wanted them all to feel like they were connected in that way and i have done that for every record since that that, i mean that's very cool to me that is very cool i i wish that i could think in that way because i love the idea of start to finish thinking about a record so conceptually Um, and I think some really successful records are like that. Like, I think, you know, I mentioned the, the front person for Parquet Quartz a little bit ago, but you know, like an album, like, um, Wide Awake is like so cohesive and concise and you're like, oh my gosh, this is taking you through this whole landscape and it's so thoughtful. And I, I really admire writing like that, but I just don't work like that at all like I can't make myself maybe someday but I don't know I've I've tried to intentionally sit down and be like this is my album about blank or this is how it's going to maybe not just be about a theme but how I'm gonna lead somebody through all these songs and I really just can't do it but then I I do feel like I go back To to an album that I've written or like collections of songs that I written and even though I didn't go through it like thinking in that way like the final result years later I can like listen through like I can listen to Sunday Feeling now finally and be like oh I can see the thread between all of these songs and I can see how they come together Sunday Feeling <laughs> so good it's a good it took I, I feel like I'd, I you know the people who played on it and who <laughs> recorded it were really patient with me and really generous with their time and their talents. Um, but I think I like ultimately didn't feel good about it after I recorded it because I just, I mean, it took a long time. And by the time we were done with the record, I had like written the whole next record and it was just such a mess for me. And it was not until like yeah. maybe like this April <laughs> I was like walking to work and I was like, you know, I wonder what's up with that album from 2018. And I like listened to it yeah. and I feel like I needed like years and years to like have a little like a break and yeah. then was finally like, oh, okay, I guess I see what I was trying to do there. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I think for me, I, I typically think of a record. Uh, as like almost it's almost like a book and then each song is like a chapter of the book and so I kind of have to think about it that way um I feel like it's I kind of sometimes wish that I could write I tried uh, the the last record I wrote that wasn't with the full band but the last record I wrote was kind of an experiment in if I could write just individual songs without them feeling like they they needed to be and I, I put them in order and I did my whole thing with them, but like, I really wanted the songs individually to be able to stand mm-hmm. out. Um, and, uh, I don't know if I really achieved that quite so much. I actually feel like the songs that I wrote to feel that way, I wasn't as happy with, whereas the other ones that I wrote, cause it almost feels like writing a, a song, like a, a chapter of a book without the rest of the book. Um, in the starting in the middle or something to write a song like that for me. And so it was really yeah. difficult, but, um, 
the later the later one that I just did, I kind of went back to my roots with it, and I think I'm much more happy with the the way that it turned yeah, out. Yeah, I I see what you mean. I mean, it's interesting because I think your perspective as a person who wrote those songs might be different as like myself or someone else hearing them and I think they might come together for other people more than they come together for you. Yeah. And I think that one, one place where they really did come together was lyrically. I think the lyrics of them, I did um, make sure to have in with that level of cohesion. Um, But that, that is, you know, everybody's got different processes. I was talking to uh, our last guest, uh, Brandon from home is where, and she was saying that uh, she writes the lyrics of a full song before it even touches a guitar or anything. And then like a week later, we'll write the song around the lyrics and like cadence and everything. Oh my God. And won't be thinking of that when writing to me. That's like the most. Yeah. No, that sounds, Um, I feel like, yeah, I don't want to, I mean, the grass is always greener on the other side, I guess, but I definitely, I think that sounds really cool and like a good way of writing. In my mind, if I could write like that, I would be able to say what I want to say more easily because I'm like, oh, I'm not uh, trying to fit something into this puzzle piece of melody that I've yeah. now committed to. But, you know, yeah. I do the same <laughs> Yeah, thing. that's really cool. Well, it sounds like she has a very... Um, maybe I will learn something from her episode of your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so let's, let's move, uh, forward a little bit, uh, have a couple more. Um, what are some, do you have any, do you feel like you have any major themes that you come back to with your, with your music and your lyrics? Um, I think that a theme has been like having like what it feels like after something really violent happens and how like small details can stand out to you when you're going through a period of suffering and how like the world can feel really sharp Mm -hmm or like hyper focused when you're like struggling. So I I think that like, instead of talking as much about the um, big picture, like what happened or whatever, I, (laughs) you know, I've gotten better at being at like thinking about, you know, how does it feel to be sitting in your room having like a quiet day when like the background is something really tumultuous. That's definitely something that I have uh, picked up from, from your music. And I think it's something that uh, I don't even know if it's just like a, a you thing. I think it's something that like just good songwriters mm-hmm. do in general is like really pay attention to those smaller details and let the details tell the bigger story. You know, it's a lot of more yeah. showing, not telling. Cause it's like, even just paying attention to that can help you like feel like, Oh, like, more reasonable and I think something that um kind of came up when I was talking uh in the last uh episode was um the idea of like some some people there's there's a style of music right now that is Mm -hmm. is really confessional but I think it's missing a lot of that flavor it's missing a lot of that color and a lot of that um I don't know the stuff that 
that is under that I think makes the feelings and the actual meat of the thing hit harder. And I think if you don't do that, then a lot of times it can end up feeling pretty shallow. And so I think it's something that you've pretty much avoided by, by Thank focusing you. on those details. I think like a big inspiration for me lately, or at least in the last year has been, um, Joe Para talks with you. <laughs> I guess this is like a spoiler. I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be like spoiler alert. <laughs> this is my first yeah, time spoiler being alert, on everybody. a podcast. Spoiler alert for Joe Para. <laughs> but in Joe Para, like, you know, Joe is always talking about his grandmother and all these things that he does with his grandmother. And there are like some flash, like it's all very mundane. But like when I watch that show, I get really emotional because I'm like, he doesn't talk about memories with his parents and he never talks about his parents or, you know, there's like this um, totally yeah. unspoken thing that to me as a person who maybe, uh, has had a few boinks on the head i see that and i'm like damn like i like what he's telling you is how much he loves his grandmother and how much his time with his grandmother meant to him growing up and in his adult life but what he's showing you is that he is a person who has like probably endured loss and um has come to really appreciate this figure that is here for him. And I think that, yeah, it's yeah, what's, it's it's what's, what's between. between and it can be really mundane. And like that show seems like kind of silly or like goofy slice of life. But um, I think the things there that are like unspoken and with other characters too, like uh, and other situations in the show are just like really graceful um, like they're very graceful when it comes to describing how people either heal or don't heal from something difficult having happened to them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, for, for the folks at home, uh, after Sammy just finished describing Joe Para, uh, they just took a <laughs> swig of Pepto-Bismol. <laughs> um i was going to ask you because you mentioned this earlier and i thought that this would be uh it's something that we've talked about before and something that's come up for me it's come up for you i don't know how much of a conversation there is to have here but um i feel like uh you are someone who people assume to know a lot about Mm. based on your lyrics and i am also someone that people assume to know a lot about based on lyrics yeah i think that really um troubles me it troubles me (laughs) (laughs) i think that something that comes up for me sometimes with writing music is that i will write a line or something that is like my like reflex feeling that's like not how I think about people or think about myself or think about the world when I am consciously like sitting and thinking or describing my worldview or whatever but sometimes those like knee-jerk like ow feelings I'll put into music or and maybe it seems like I'm catastrophizing or that I am like feeling really bleak. I I mean, I guess I do feel really bleak and I do sometimes catastrophize, but like 
if you sat down you were with me and you were like, oh, this lyric says, like, this. Is that how you really feel? The answer is, like, usually no, not not usually. It's, like, taking this, like, very small slice of um, how I experience the world. And even though it's true, it's not my everyday constant feeling. I don't know if that quite makes sense. But I think sometimes people do want to talk to me about stuff or you know I have had difficult experiences that are like violent and challenging for me and I think sometimes my music does reflect on those a little bit but I'm also a person who likes to joke around (laughs) and likes to um I think that you know pavement and the silver jews for me I really cling to both of those bands because they do encapsulate like difficulty uh, being rolled up with like humor and playfulness and fun. And I think that that's like a big thing for me in terms of like how I have to be in the world or how I want to think and how I want to interact with people. But sometimes people will like write about my music Mm -hmm. or write about me and it's very much like, like this like sad very um like eeyore type or like people are always like yeah or i i remember back in the day uh this is not shade to this this particular artist because i i actually like this particular artist a lot but um a lot of frankie cosmos yeah i love frankie cosmos also but i think sometimes people say something like that i'm like i'm not really sure if that's someone who i feel like i'm doing a similar thing to i think maybe you're just like hearing the frequency of my voice and like assuming something and also like i feel like people will sometimes also uh you know be like sometimes (laughs) one time somebody wrote an article about me and said like oh like puppy problems it's like music for people with like daddy issues or something (laughs) like um i really don't like that stuff and i think that like being so um kind of like thinking in this black and white way of like oh is this happy or sad is like not like it's not really a good way to be in the world i guess but also doesn't feel accurate for me about how I think about music or about myself. So I, I honestly don't really like it when people, yeah. I mean, I want to be friendly and accessible to people, I guess. I don't really think I'm a very friendly person, but I think like, I'm not trying to be like mean about people who maybe like really relate to something, but I also don't really like it yeah. when it feels like people think they know everything about me or when you know i think that i feel a little more private than that yeah i i think for me uh the place that it comes up the most um it's come up in a lot of ways but the place that it's definitely come up the most is like i think because i was i was very intentionally i think early on writing in a place of like the romanticizing Mm -hmm. of like youthfulness and nostalgia and talking about like the romanticizing of the like that kind of feeling of like growing up and a lot of that kind of stuff and um but when I was doing it pretty intentionally I was trying to like 
I don't think it was necessarily criticizing it, but it was doing it with yeah. some level of self-awareness. And I think that um, I have been something that comes up a lot is that people just kind of like don't see the mm-hmm. self-awareness or the depth under a lot of that. Um, you know, as someone looking back and realizing that things are not the same as the way that you romanticize them or understanding like all of this stuff and uh, just kind of projecting that like, oh, I must be this person that is just kind of like shallowly, you know, obsessed with. Yeah. And that's so not Um, you at all. And, but (laughs) yeah. And so I've, I've gotten a lot of that, like very like people, Mm -hmm. like like very uh, cutesy kind of stuff, like, and like, you know, I've, I've moved away from that uh, a fair amount, but I, I did it almost intentionally because of, there was just so much assumption that that's just like how my, my person was and my personality was. And I feel like more of it was like almost a, I feel like a lot of the, that stuff was writing almost like as a grievance of that loss mm-hmm. of kind of innocence and a grievance of that loss of like what, you know, we are told that childhood is supposed to be and growing up is supposed to be and youthfulness is supposed to be. And yet a lot of it is actually like stuff that you lose, right? You lose like a lot of security in some ways, or at least for me, that's how, Mm. what I was trying to come across in the early ones. And like, you know, you lose a lot of identity as like a young person and you try to figure out what you're actually trying to be and things like that. So a lot of weird yeah no for sure and <laughs> i i think i've seen people talk about you or think about your music in that way but i also like know you i think pretty well not to brag and can see that that's not how you interact with the world or expect the world to interact with you yeah um but I don't know, just just a fun, a fun little <laughs> tangent of a little to, airing to of think grievances. about for the two of us. <laughs> yeah. Um, my final final point um, is uh, lyrical pet peeves. I've ended every episode like this, and it's become my favorite question. Originally, I was going to cycle it through, uh, but I decided I I just want lyrical I want everyone pet to talk peeves. about it because it's so fun. Um. Yeah. I think something I like is when you can't predict what the next line or word of a song will be. And I don't think that it always is a pet peeve to me because I think sometimes it can be charming, but I think sometimes I am like seeing a band play for the first time and I'm like, I'm sure the next line's going to be this. And it is. And I think that sometimes it's like, uh, (laughs) you know, wanting to mix up mix things up a little bit and um not feels quite so predictable i oh man i'm really i really want to have a better answer for this i'm really thinking you you can think think about it for a second um the uh that unpredictability i feel like is such a solid songwriting technique um it's less of a, it's like the anti-pet peeve. You just said something that yeah. like is really good that people do, but it's great because I, I think about it all the time. Um, yeah, th- that song uh, Dom by Strange Ranger, um, that song has some parts where you think it is just, you know, going to go in one direction and then hits you with yeah. like a truck with a couple things. And it's it's just, it's that song's crazy. Um, and uh, I think, you know, we've mentioned... Uh, Owen Ashworth of Advanced Bass, um, but a lot of times he'll hit you with something that is a little detail that is so grounding to a story that like yeah. it just 
it just it just gets me in that way um oh my I, god i didn't really see it coming and uh Ugh. like in um that song that last song of... <laughs> what were you gonna say because i think we're gonna talk about different things <laughs> I was gonna say that that song, that song "Answering Machine," yeah, uh, which is so charming. It's like one of the best songs I've ever heard. Or he's just talking about like his friend who's got an answering machine and calls her dog while she's at work, uh, and the line of like, "and he loves you best," and it just it like it always gets yeah. me because it's just like you you don't know which direction he's gonna take it, and it just ends up being so like it's so sweet that it almost is like, but it's, it also just feels very sad. And also like, yes, yes, yes. I think he really is like a master songwriter. Um, that song, I love you credence. I also, I mean, this is almost the same thing as Joe Perra. Oh it's my like, God. Like she's the only one who's ever said, I love you credence. And you're like, no one else in your life has told you they love you, buddy. Like, Oh man. <laughs> um, you know, I don't love when something is just like, I don't know. I, I always tell my students that like rules in art and music like are meant to be broken. So I think every time I'm about to say something that's a pet peeve, I'm like, well, it does work sometimes. But I think sometimes like yeah, yeah, really yeah. repetitive stuff or when you can tell that someone's like trying to be edgy for the sake of being edgy and not coming from a place of like honesty truth and beauty kind of like annoys me a little you know like like shock value yeah and i think i think maybe it maybe it stresses me out or it turns me off a little bit because it you know we were just talking about like wanting to be a little more reserved and not as Fully confessional and I think sometimes when I'm listening to something that I feel like an artist is saying something and they're like this is going to be crazy like you could never imagine that I'm about to say that this thing happened I'm like I don't know like that happened to me too and I can't really talk about it in that way <laughs> and maybe it's it's okay for other people to want to express yeah. themselves like that but it like makes me feel like I'm shrinking back a little bit or it makes me kind of uncomfortable. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think those are kind of. And I think a lot of times people mask that in like, well, it's good. It's yeah. trying to make you uncomfortable, but it's like, well, who's, who are you trying yeah. to make uncomfortable? And, and why, maybe right? like there like, are that's... just totally people who need to express themselves differently than me and people who are like seeking that out. And that is a, okay. But, um, for example, Crack Baby by Mitski, <laughs> a song that I just feel oh like <laughs> didn't need to be the way that it was, <laughs> um, where it's like, that just is, it's a song that didn't, it didn't, didn't need, need to, to be, be written. written and, um, it's just like not, I don't know, stuff like that where it feels like I don't know. That's off base. Like, just not a thoughtful way to use language um, and kind of add something into the atmosphere that doesn't really need to be there. But, um, you know, everything that makes me feel kind of uh, gross might be 
connective and healing and cool for somebody else. So I don't know. I don't, I'm not always right. Yeah. You, you, you put a lot of, uh, you know, but in, in front of that statement, but I also think that like, yeah, no edginess and like shock value shit is like who, you know, Stuff that's tact. just not handled. I think tact. In yeah, general, I really. We sh- I wish like, that I had thought of that word yeah. earlier because now I'm worried I'll listen to this and feel like I sound stupid. But I think tact really is a good <laughs> word. Yeah. Um, so you know we've been going for for almost an hour now, and so I think it's time to wrap it up. Um, I'm going to end us on. I, I looked up uh, an advanced la- base lyric because it was. I was really thinking about it. I was like really thinking, like, what is what is a good example of this, um, where like the line shouldn't be a surprise. It still comes as a surprise. You don't know what's coming next, and it it hits so much harder because of it. Um, and then after that, you're going to tell me where we can find your music and where we can find you on social media and stuff like that. Um, so it's a it's a line from one of his big songs, uh, Natural Light from when he was writing under Cassiotone for the painfully alone. And, uh, it's a, it's like a breakup song and it's about this, you know, someone who sees someone that they used to be dating who came back into the city, um, you know, later and how that kind of feeling of, of things being different. Um, and the line was, a uh, thought on things that we did. What if we had the kid, I guess he'd be 15. And to me that like gives me, that gave me chills when I first heard it. Cause I was like, it, it, I, I wasn't yeah, expecting. I have chills um, now. Can and, you see? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so where, where can we find you? Where can we find your music? Well, and, uh, since you asked. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think my, well, our album that we did together is on the Bedbug Spotify. And the album is called Rosewater Fountain. But that's also the name of our band that only existed for that and um (laughs) it's also a cop-out answer um we have an album called sunday feeling we as in puppy problems um my band without you has an album called sunday feeling out on sleeper (laughs) records from philadelphia pennsylvania um and on the puppy problems band camp there's some stuff that is um not on spotify and i think you know we are recording new music in october at big nice studio in rhode island shout out big shout out big nice studio just just did the bed bug record there you can find my visual art and stuff on instagram and twitter under puppy problems okay Thank you.